Get your broadband moving all around your home so you can start flexing in the living room. And that sourdough can start rising in the kitchen. For streaming from the front door to the attic, connect with our best ever Wi-Fi all around your home. Sky Broadband. Your world is limitless. For more information, see sky.ie forward slash speeds. Hey there, podcast fans. I'm Cassie, and I'm the host of Disflix and Tidbits, my solo movie podcast about Disney Company movies from the past, present, and coming soon, and all the little extras, movie news, and experiments on nostalgia in between. Come for the childhood memories, stay for the deep dive into your favorite movies. New episodes every Wednesday. Tune in to Disflix and Tidbits. Subscribe for free everywhere podcasts are found. Welcome to Disney vs. Disney Debates, the podcast where we try and figure out exactly what is the best Disney film ever made. I am your host and grandmaster, Zane C. Weber, here to decide which Disney film out of Hercules and The Hunchback of Notre Dame is the better Disney film. To do that, I have two debaters with me. To represent The Hunchback of Notre Dame, I have none other than Stacey Hobbs. Hello. And representing Hercules is Roz Howie. Hello. Now, Stacey, we've heard from you before. Why do you love The Hunchback of Notre Dame? I love The Hunchback because it's so unique as a film, um, but particularly in the Disney canon. And the music is so good. Like, so good. Like, (laughs) choirs for days. All Um, choirs. All choirs. Like, I was smashing it in the car on the way here and I was like it was so epic it made my drive like you know you listen to your soundtrack and normal everyday things feel like you're in a movie and it's really epic and you're going to this like final battle and I'm like I'm just driving you know that can make driving very dangerous it can (laughs) it can I had to like control the emotions that I was feeling but it was um it's a banger it's a banger, the soundtrack. All right. And Roz, of course, you are returning as well. Now, why do you love Hercules? Uh, because it is just so much fun. It is just a high-energy, great fun film with some really, really solid characters. Like, I'm, I'm seriously, I'm a little bit in love with Hades. He is awesome. <laughs> so, yes. Excellent. Now, we have rolled a dice to determine who's going to go first. And Roz will be going first, followed by Stacey. But before we do any of that... I'm Let me here. introduce <laughs> to you the most important person of the I'm podcast. I'm here too. Also, me. Miranda Selwood, fact-checking us today, keeping you all <laughs> honest. Uh, now, she has got a copy of one set of facts, so I hope she's getting ahead on that. Yep. Yep. Checked. Excellent. <laughs> All right, so there are five categories that I'm looking at for your arguments today. They are the memorable moments in your film, the messages in your film, the movie magic that made your film, the magic music that featured in your film, and the catch-all topic that Disney touch. What did your film do that only Disney could have made it do? Uh, So we will be starting off with a three-minute introductory round to make your opening arguments. You will get a warning tone at two minutes and you will be cut off very rudely at three. (laughs) The jig is up, you jaded, jug-headed jack-in-the-box. Just like that. 
I kind of want to be cut off yeah. just to hear that. <laughs> well, all you've got to do is keep I talking, Stacey. I try to work, work, work that into a sentence <laughs> so I just stop at the right moment and it makes sense. That's my challenge. That's a brilliant tactic. I love that. Okay, so, Roz, you will have three minutes to tell us why you think Hercules is the best Disney film ever made and your time starts when you start talking. Released in 1997, Hercules is the 35th Disney animated feature film. It's loosely based on the Hercules of myth, although although Disney does sanitise things a fair bit. For example, Hercules is presented to us as a god, the legitimate son of Zeus and Hera, rather than the offspring of an adulterous liaison between Zeus and a mortal woman. Directed by Ron Clements and John Musker, who also have The Little Mermaid and Aladdin to their credit, the movie features, among others, the vocal talents of Tate Donovan, Susan Egan, James Woods, Danny DeVito, and is narrated by Charlton Heston. Now, what I particularly love about this film is that it is just so gloriously Disney. You have the hero who is effectively an orphan, struggling to find his place in the world, a most satisfyingly diabolical villain in the character of Hades, the comic double act provided by Hades' minions, Pain and Panic, the faithful sidekicks, Pegasus and Phil, and the sharp and witty love interest, Meg. Disney Disney delivers up these classic tropes in spades and we are invited to dive in and just revel in it. The movie hits the ground running. Musically, it is fabulous, particularly in the performance by the Gospel Choir of the Muses, who bring the kind of brilliant musical energy that only gospel can. As the chorus, the Muses keep the story moving, providing necessary backstory and narrative. Visually, I love the colour palette of this film, in particular the contrast between the psychedelic Candyland of Olympus and the brooding darkness of Hades' world. I also love how they have woven classical Greek art and colour schemes throughout the film. There are some superb animated sequences, most notably the ballad with the Hydra, uh, the battle with the Hydra, and the reawakening of the Titans towards the end. The memorable moments for me are pretty much any scene featuring Hades. I absolutely adore James Wood in this this role. He doesn't miss a beat. He is present, ruthless and remorseless and to my mind has this real Frankenfurter quality about him. I also love the subtle nods to the original mythology, the baby Hercules strangling the snakes, the grown man posing for his portrait wearing the lion skin, and the fates... In particular, the sequence where they snip the thread of Meg's life and then attempt to snip Hercules. Again, a visually stunning and completely compelling sequence. On to the message of the film. Hercules, though born a god, represents in a sense every man. He is human with human fallibility. We see him as a gawky teenager whose hands and feet are too big for the rest of him and who can't touch something without destroying it. He is rejected by his supposed peers, mocked for his clumsiness and labelled Jercules. In him, we are invited to see that even one born of the gods can struggle to find their true place and identity in the world, and that indeed true heroism does not lie in being the biggest or the strongest, but is measured by the strength of the heart. Hercules does not win his place by feats of strength or by the exercise of the divine attributes that are the happy accident of his birth, but rather by willing sacrifice of those attributes to save the one he loves. And even at the end, when he has been restored to immortality, he ultimately refuses, choosing a mortal life with Meg over a place among the gods in Olympus. Excellent. Don't need to be cut off rudely. So, <laughs> all right. That was a wonderful opening round. Stacey, you will now have your three minutes mm-hmm. uh, to make your opening statements with a warning at two and your time starts when you start talking. The pure horror of humanity's darkest moments juxtaposed with the joy of humanity's greatest triumphs are so purely demonstrated in The Hunchback of Notre Dame, based on the novel by Victor Hugo. Hunchback is certainly one of Disney's darkest animations, if not the darkest, but the risk in portraying such a story paid dividends in demonstrating the dangers of fanatics and power, oppressing those weaker or different from ourselves, and the difference that ordinary people can make in the lives of others. 
The message is one about social justice, acceptance and the ultimate goodness of humanity. The uh, internal versus external monster dynamic is clearly portrayed throughout this film. Frollo, the crazy lunatic Javert of Disney, is an incredibly memorable villain and perhaps the best villain in the Disney canon. He is creepy, maniacal, irrational and perhaps a little too uncomfortably real. His darkness highlights the pureness in Quasi and the fire in Esmeralda's spirit. Quasimodo is portrayed as, according to Frollo, a monster undeserving of love. However, Quasi is the answer to Frollo's toxic masculinity. While Frollo becomes obsessed with having Esmeralda or no one can have her, Quasi does not play the I'm a good guy card while she, when she rejects his romantic advances. Quasi accepts her agency to choose to love another. Losing her love does not end him and he doesn't lash out or blame her. He instead finds joy in accepting himself and in turn having himself be accepted by the people of Paris, who are not as evil as Frollo insisted. Esmeralda is not a prize for the lead protagonist, but a feminist icon who stands up publicly to Frollo's unjust genocide, despite her lower social status at the time due to being both Romani or a gypsy, who are demonised and portrayed as immoral, murderous thieves, and a woman. These interesting, real characters play against an incredible backdrop. The scenery in this film is stunning. The portrayal of Notre Dame with its atmospheric, candlelit cathedral, sweeping archways, stained glass windows, statues, and the use of light were beautifully done. The use of Paris scenery and fire, particularly at the end with the enormous crowd, was skillfully animated. The artwork is breathtakingly real yet otherworldly. You are immediately transported to a familiar yet distant place, which allows the characters to tell their painfully real stories with a safe plane distance from our own harsh reality. The fascinating world is supported by an epic sweeping score written by Alan Menken with lyrics by um, Stephen Schwartz. Many of the songs are adapted from the genuine Latin prayers and chants such as Hellfire, which uses um, a particular song um, as a counterpoint melody in Hellfire, which is so clever because that song was talking about confessing sin and taking responsibility for it, which is exactly the opposite of what Frollo was doing. Um, God help the outcast out there. Heaven's Light are gorgeous sweeping ballads that offer a genuine deep portrayal of true, relatable, suffering humans trying to make sense of a corrupt world, where Hellfire is gloomy, majestic and imposing. While this film may have been controversial at the time of its release due to its themes, although still grossing $325 million worth one and becoming the fifth highest grossing film of um, 1996, its ultimate message of hope within hopeless circumstances and the power of the human spirit is still perhaps perhaps even more so relevant in today's world. Woo! All right. No rude cutting off for you either. I know, how Your sad. wishes go unfulfilled. <laughs> Next time. Next time. <laughs> Next time, perhaps. All right. Yes. Well, you uh, you will get two minutes now, uh, starting with Roz, to tell me why you think your opponent's film is not the best Disney film ever made. And Roz, your time starts when you start talking. Both Hercules and The Hunchback of Notre Dame explore similar themes, what it means to be different, to be an outsider, the desire to fit in and be accepted in your world. And I do think that The Hunchback of Notre Dame is a brave film in that it explores some pretty ugly themes, bullying, ostracism, sexual obsession and equating ugliness with criminality. However, to my mind, although this movie seeks to be sensitive to to these themes, it ends only in being patronising. Victor Hugo's novel Notre Dame de Paris is a deeply dark and tragic tale and I feel in particular that by sanitising the love story between Esmeralda and Phoebus and elevating the tragic figure of Quasimodo to an inherently lovable outcast who just wants some friends, it fails to do the story justice. And when you contrast this with the dark themes that the film does explore, you're left with an overall sense of confusion and dissatisfaction. It's like Disney wanted to dive into the darkness but just didn't have the guts to quite let go. 
Setting aside Victor Hugo's work and considering the film on its own merits, yes, you can argue that Quasimodo finally wins acceptance and friendship for his deeds of heroism and bravery, and maybe the townsfolk do learn an important lesson about not judging by appearances, but let's consider one very fundamental thing, Quasimodo's doomed love for Esmeralda. This is the thing that I really, really hate. It's what annoys me about movies like Les Mis and Phantom of the Opera and Starship Troopers and a host of other such stories. The freak, the outcast, the ugly one doesn't get the girl or the boy or whoever. Eponine does not end up with Marius. The Phantom does not end up with Christine and Quasimodo does not get end up with es- Esmeralda. Sure, at the end he wanders off happily into the sunset with all his new best buds, having heroically blessed the union of Esmeralda and her Aryan pretty boy. But where Esmeralda and Quasimodo are concerned, the message is still very much, very much, you're punching above your weight there, buddy. The implication being that you should stay within your milieu and not seek to rise above it. All right. Strong words. Again, well within your time limit. So, we will move straight on to Stacey. And you again will have two minutes to tell me why you think Hercules is not the best Disney film ever made, your time starts when you start talking. So there's a lot of criticism that Disney did sanitise the story of The Hunchback and Notre Dame and change it to focus more on the love stories. Um, but Victor Hugo did that himself in the opera he wrote, La Esmeralda, where he focused more on the love stories and less on, you know, the cathedral. Um, the, um, the whole thing about Quasi not getting the girl, look, girls are not prizes. Um, as Jasmine would say, I am not a prize to be won. Um, and I think that was so refreshing in this movie that that didn't happen. Um, and I think, look, their personalities didn't match. Esmeralda is fiery. She is excited. She can't be contained in walls. And and I don't think long-term she would have worked. So I don't think it was about, oh, he's ugly and it wouldn't work because she genuinely had fondness for him. I think their relationship just wouldn't have worked in the end. Look, Hercules was made to be as broadly appealing as possible, meaning it was a hot mess for a lot of parts, in order to get the directors to get their opportunity to make Treasure Planet, which is the movie they really actually wanted to make. It wasn't faithful to the mythology, which is fine. Lots of Disney adaptions aren't, as we know, with Hunchback. Um, but, look, it kind of lost its meaning in world building and it had tonal problems. It tried to be funny, but then it tried to chuck a whole bunch of things together, including very contrasting artwork that just didn't work. A Greek newspaper called it another case of foreigners distorting our history and culture just to suit their commercial interests, where the French actually embraced Hunchback. They actually really enjoyed it and really embraced it. Um, Hercules was pretty pathetic, he didn't really show any growth and he didn't really have any flaws which made him hard to relate to but he also was made this big, big, like, good guy but Hades was the only one who kept his word Hades made two deals and kept them Hercules is like, I'll make a deal, I'll get her and then I'll stay but he didn't so, is he really the good guy? I don't know. Um, Meg gets injured and then Hercules goes off to fight the Titans, um, which was kind of laughable, really. Why was he even there in the first place? But then he suddenly forgot that Meg was dying because he was too busy high-fiving his dad after he beat the Titans. He was a really weird character. It wasn't well thought out. It was a jumble put together. And I just don't think it's as strong a film as Hunchback. All right. Right on the two-minute mark. Congratulations. Okay, I have a few things that I need to write down. So uh, we're going to take a little break and we will come back with an open discussion about these two films. All right. Okay, I have a couple of questions that I would like you to talk Mm. a little bit about. Now, both of you have mentioned uh, your villains yes i would like you to talk a little bit about what makes them great because whenever you're talking disney movies 
The villains are always a big part of that and both of your villains always come up. So I would like you to talk a little bit about why your villain deserves to be in the pantheon of Disney villains and what makes them better than your opponents. So we'll start with Roz. Okay, as I, as I mentioned, Hades just has this wonderful intensity and energy. He is completely committed to what he wants and what he wants to achieve and he does not miss a beat. Although I have to say I, I, love, his, I love his personality transitions. He kind of goes from this sort of urbane silkiness to the intemperate rage without, you know, just like at the drop of a hat and then back again and it's fantastic to watch. But I think most of all I just I enjoy and I enjoy the patter of his character I understand that James Wood actually ad-libbed a lot of what he said mm-hmm. in this role and it's just it's just beautiful it's perfect and he, he's just so so committed and so ruthless and just so <laughs> completely focused on his goal that I, I I love him like I said at the beginning a little bit in love um I yeah, I'd probably do Hades <laughs> Stacey um I think Hades is an amazing villain, but I do think he fits the trope of the big gay Disney villain. Um, Whereas Frollo is actually terrifying because you could walk down the street and actually meet a Frollo. Like he, and that's why I'm saying he's he's, um, a fanatic and he uses, and I think misuses personally, religion um, to justify his cruelty. Mm-hmm. Um, that opening scene, oh my gosh, where he like chases a gypsy woman down the street and then she dies on the street of the church and then he looks at Quasi and is like, hmm, that's a freak baby and holds it over a well to drown it. That is like straight up pure evil. This guy pulls no punches and and <laughs> which is terrifying. Um, and that whole hellfire, which is an epic song that accompanies that whole scene where he he has these desires and he can't control them so he just blames her how dare she cause this in me not like oh gee maybe I should get my stuff together maybe, maybe I, should I should examine my own motives yeah here. maybe I should just be a better human being and like expect that if she doesn't like me that's okay she has her <laughs> own agency but no it's her fault because she's making me feel things and I don't like those things and it's this loathing of an object of obsession and we see that played out and that's what, why I made that point about maybe this movie is actually more relevant today because I think we see that played out okay. so much in real in real life with real people. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why he's such an incredible villain because I could meet I could meet Frollo and I could be affected by yeah, Frollo absolutely. in my life. Well, taking that on board, I would like to talk about the uh, the women in your movies as well. Uh, both Meg and Esmeralda are definitely held up as kind of these feminist characters. Um, Meg specifically because she isn't interested in being the love interest and Esmeralda because she is so powerful as a personality in her film. So I'd like you to talk a little bit about um, the female presence in your film. If possible, again, we'll start with Roz. Yeah, as, as you said, Meg um, has no particular interest in in being Hercules' love interest, although that's how she ends up. Uh, she, we see her; um, she's initially uh, working for Hades, and uh, the reason she has sold her soul to Hades is because she was trying to free her former lover, who then um, who then uh, betrayed her, and so she gives the impression of a woman who is very much, uh, I guess, learnt a harsh lesson and is trying to survive in a difficult world and do it on her own terms. And in that respect, I think she's a very strong female character and a great a great role, a great role yeah. model. Yeah. And what about you, Stacey? 
I think for me, Esmeralda is summed up in the scene of the Feast of Fools where Quasi is celebrated firstly for being real ugly and they're like, woohoo, celebrate this guy. And then all of a sudden the crown turns and um, pelt him with tomatoes and torture him and humiliate him essentially. Um, And in that moment she was the only one. And there there are thousands of people there and she stands up and she cuts him free and she accuses Frollo and she she yells across at this crowd who could easily kill her and you know, stampede and, mm. and kill her and she calls him out on what he's doing and how wrong it is. Um, she didn't do that because she was motivated, motivated by personal feelings for him. She was motivated because it was the right thing to do. It was the just thing to do. Um, and I think that's so powerful in that she stands up for her people it's her people, but it's also the right thing to do. We shouldn't be discriminating against a group of people just just because. Absolutely. Shouldn't be killing them just because. And we shouldn't be humiliating someone just because. And I think her actions in that that pure motivation of this is the just and right thing to do, despite the fact that that puts me in great danger, um, I think that's just so brilliant and I think she's really brilliant in that moment. Okay, excellent. Well, uh, I that I that that's all the questions that I have. Do you have questions for each other? Nope. Excellent. Well, let's take another short break and we'll come back with our final summaries. Okay, that is the time that it is. We must end with final summaries. So, Roz, you go first. You have one minute and your time starts when you start talking. So, to my mind... Hercules typifies Disney of this era at its best. The animation is superb, providing really beautiful dramatic effect. Um, I've already alluded in particular to the scene where the fates snip the thread of life. It was such a fabulous dramatic tension in those moments. Um, Also the scene where we first see Hades moving through his underworld. Uh, The cast is really strong. They deliver a fantastic high-energy performance that is sustained throughout the film and the musical score supports and carries the storyline beautifully. Um, with Hunchback of Notre Dame, again, although I think it is a brave film and it does explore some wonderful themes, I, I do think that it would have been better if Disney had just gone all out and just, you know, really dived into that dark world and been in, been faithful to the original story and, and, and kept that tragic, the tragic love story between Cosimo and Esmeralda and, you know, just shunted off Phoebus who was an, an asshole <laughs> in the book. So, um, yeah. Okay. That is your minute. It is now, Stacey, you will have your one minute to summarise your arguments and your time starts when you start talking. The Hunchback of Notre Dame is such a unique movie in the Disney canon. It is deep. It is philosophical. It shines a light on what humanity can be at its worst and at its best. It portrays these true deep relationships. It portrays friendships and and loves and lost loves. Um, It has this incredible scenery, um, wonderful animation that is just still stunning to this day. This incredible score that's inspired by this beautiful cathedral music. The bells can be heard ringing through um, in the in the score. The, um, the sweeping scenes. It's such a spectacular movie and I think that that true inspiration about really truly being yourself, accepting yourself and standing up against the injustices of the world really is a wonderful message and I think we should be um, embracing that and celebrating that. Okay, excellent. You are both right on top of your time, so well done for that. I have to go do some maths now, so please tell each other how much you like each other's film. 
I love Hercules so much. Hercules. It's so Hercules. Yeah. Oh, just from the oh, I, that was such a joy um, to watch it again for this. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to have to pull it apart. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with this movie. I loved it. I loved it as a kid. I love it now. It's fun. Um, and I love Meg. I hardcore love her. I think she's brilliant. Um, teeny tiny waist though, but brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> um, and, and the artwork was very interesting, very different, all that like very stylized. Ah, oh, I just I just loved it. I loved it as a film. And it's so much, like you said, it's so much fun. Like you watch it and you're just like, yes, I feel like power. And I mean, Michael Bolton, I mean, come on, Michael Bolton. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Um, yeah, similarly, I think The Hunchback of Notre Dame is a great film. I love the I love the gothic element to it. I love I love mm. how dark it is. Um, and I do love um Frollo as a villain. Um I, I think when we were talking before about the, the which of the villain characters were the better, I was thinking about him a bit more and I think I think what makes him even more villainous is I don't think he thinks he's evil. I think oh, no. he, he, he thinks, he thinks he's, he's right. Perfectly justified and right, yeah. and that makes him even scarier right? and even more terrifying. Uh yeah, so a, a really good yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to meet him like you no. just because there's no arguing with that. Like yeah. even even at this yeah the scene at the start of the movie where he kind of just chooses not to kill the baby because like the stars aligned and he felt guilty for the first time in his life. Um, but yeah, terrifying. Yeah. But um, I love I love Hades too, and he is the best. <laughs> He's so James Wood. Hey, he was just he deserves awesome. every accolade. He was brilliant in that movie. All right. so good. Miranda, before we get into my uh, explanation of the result, is there any uh, facts that need to be checked, or were we all on board? Uh, no, we were. We were all good. There was a lot of um, personal opinion going on at the table tonight, so it didn't have a lot for me to to really check up on. That, but that does legit. that does pan out in in the notes that I took. A lot of uh, a lot of opinions and thoughts, uh, and and interesting ones at that. So. Let's start with the movie Magic, shall we? Let's. Now, both of your films, they, they came out one after the other. They're very close together uh, and they're both, uh, again, adaptations of historical texts. So they have a lot, uh, a lot in common. Uh, one is obviously much more stylized, one more, much more realistic and they both have these Disney traits in common. Both, again, uh, a... Uh, a point that counted against both of you was not true to the source material, um, etc., etc. Et uh, you both had great casts. You both are uh, a great style. Uh, Roz, you mentioned the, the colour and the incorporation of the Grecian uh, style into the film in, in itself. And Stacey, of course, the animation of Notre Dame itself oh. is just amazing. I was there a few months ago and I'm like, I'm back there again. <laughs> it's so pretty. So um, I think it was just a matter of uh, mentioning a few more of the technical aspects of the film that – pushed Hunchback of Notre Dame over the line and the movie magic goes to Hunchback. Awesome. When it comes to memorable moments though, there were just so many moments, Roz, that you mentioned and you kept mentioning and mm -hmm. kept bringing up all these new parts that of course everyone at the table was nodding their heads and going, yes, this is what I like, James mm -hmm. Woods and the ad-libbing, um, all the massive battles that Hercules had, um, Meg's song of course and make as a character so this was an easy win for hercules over hunchback of notre dame for memorable moments mm -hmm. now the other three topics mm. the message 
the music and that Disney touch mm. all went to one film. So, the best Disney film tonight is Hercules. <gasps> Hercules took out this debate. Um, again, it was very close on message. Again, very similar. It was. It just came down to weight of numbers. Music. You can't go past the music in Hercules. Mm-hmm. Yes, Those Alan, muses uh, are amazing. Menken yeah. and Schwartz are a powerhouse team, but the muses, Meg's song. If they got Danny DeVito to sing a song, uh, you didn't bring it up, <laughs> but I just wanted to throw that in there. It always surprises me whenever I watch Hercules. It's like, Danny DeVito singing? I actually remember reading about that now. I should. <laughs> I didn't put it, get it in here, but yeah. Um, and with that Disney touch, it was, again, that the Disney's ability to incorporate um, incorporate elements of the culture that they're they're homaging into their style. Um, so again, yes, Hercules is the better Disney film today. But if you think I'm wrong, and I'm sure some of you do, and you have the right to say so, on our Facebook page there will be a poll up. If you are listening to this, and you get to vote there, if Hunchback of Notre Dame beats Hercules out in that poll. There is a chance that it will go through to the second round as a wild card entry. So go there, tell your friends, campaign, have a gift war, whatever you need to do, uh, and we will see what happens then. Thank you to Miranda for fact-checking us tonight through all the opinions and thoughts that we had. Sure, no problem. Thank you, Stacey, for arguing so valiantly for Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, I want welcome. to go watch it again. Oh, it's just... Oh, and the musical that's been inspired by the soundtrack, amazing, so good. And congratulations, Roz, for winning with Hercules. It was a fight well fought and I can't wait to see you go through to the second round. Uh, We will be back here the same time next week. Until then, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Instagram and you can find us on Twitter. Thank you for listening and keep watching Disney, everyone. Bye. You need to be listening to the Floof and Papa podcast. I'm Mel. I'm Taylor. And we're going to talk about all things dogs. Dog stories. Dog breeds. Dog tips and tricks. Dog puns. Dog jokes. Dog everything. If you're not listening. Uh, Hit us up at the Floof and Papa podcast wherever you get your podcast. Tune in. Uh, That's not kind of productions podcast. Ten. Nine. Eight. Cadbury has launched new Freddo Treasure Space Series with Cadbury Dairy Milk Buttons and a surprise space toy in every chest. Three, two, one, lift off! Treasure every adventure. New Cadbury Dairy Milk Freddo Treasure Space Series with only 76 calories per pack. Pick one up in store. Forward. It's the one move we're all ready to take. And at the Audi Moving Forward sales event, we're ready to help you on that journey. All Audi dealerships are now open. With tailored solutions to suit your individual needs, like the Audi A6 Saloon, with PCP finance from only €499 per month. 
Now is the time to make an appointment. Now is the time to start moving forward. Audi. Vorsprung durch Technik. Terms and conditions apply.